Welcome to episode 10 of the Solving Problems podcast, where we help you use story to reach more people and grow your church. If we haven't met, my name is Jonathan Curlin, and I'm here with our co-host, Kyler Nixon. Kyler, today we're talking with one of our favorite people, Kelly Hartnett, about uh, finding your voice as a church. And uh, too often churches communicate in ways that they think they're supposed to communicate, but not in ways that actually fit their church culture. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is a way that you've heard a church communicate and you're just like, man, that didn't fit who you are? Yeah, I think a lot of times it comes um, on the website. I think that's the easiest example of it. I, you know, we, you and I both spent a lot of time looking at church websites. I won't throw any specific church under the bus, but I was, um, I was checking out a church site a couple weeks ago and I was clicking through and their homepage was like very um, professional and just kind of like religious language and, and all that type of stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. That that's fine. And then I went to their about us page and the about us page had all these goofy staff photos and you know, all their bios were fun and crazy and all this kind of stuff. And it totally caught me off guard because I was not expecting that it was totally different than what I had just experienced on the homepage. So, um, yeah, that's definitely one way that I've experienced churches having, you know, maybe a, a different voice across different mediums and things like that. And we've talked this season a little bit already about uh, curse of knowledge and clarity and confusing people. So uh, this is just another extension of that, finding your voice as a church. Uh, so today we're going to talk about how the words that you use matter. And the, just like Kyler was saying, that you can't be using words that are modern, cutting edge or whatever like on that end of the spectrum, but still calling people brother and sister on the website, right. like the pastor's brother Bill or go see sister Rachel in the in a sermon. That just doesn't make sense. Right, for sure. The uh one of my favorite parts about this uh episode, Jonathan, is that we get to hear Kelly, who is just just a phenomenal person in general. Let me preface that. Like Kelly is is awesome if you can get to know her. She says uh the words fam, lit, and then I think <laughs> I think there's a few other uh like slang words that she uses so uh it's just kind of that funny don't hearing. fit kelly that, 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 right that, that don't fit kelly like she no. doesn't talk like that so it's just uh it's it's good it's a it's a great episode i think it's one of my uh one of my favorites of the season so um looking forward to to you guys getting to hear it yeah we're gonna uh look at how to develop your church's unique voice and then we're gonna get super practical and see how uh certain words combined with your voice how you can write some social media posts or email um, and actually we dive into how you would do a stage announcement for an event. Um, but before we get to that, we want to introduce Kelly. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Kyler and I have both worked with Kelly a ton. Um, Kelly spent more than a decade working in established churches and helping to launch new ones before she recently went out to start uh, Tall Tree Create Tall Tree Collective, which helps nonprofits craft their messages to inspire people to get behind them. Along with that, Kelly's also served as the membership director for the Center for Church Communications uh, membership site, Courageous Storytellers. And she's written a book that if you haven't read, you need to go out and get. It's called You've Got This, a pep talk for church communicators. And then lastly, if that's not all enough, Kelly is a story brand certified guide, just like Kyler and I. So with all that said, uh, we're going to bring the dance music back and then Kelly will be on the other side with us. Kelly's with us now. Kelly, say hey to everybody. Hey, everybody. 
Thanks for joining us today. Um, like I mentioned in the intro, Kelly is a great copywriter and she's great at helping organizations and churches find their voice. In the big picture, why should we pay attention to the words that we use? And Or another way to ask that is, why do words matter? Oh my gosh, that's such a huge question. Um, I, I think the bottom line to why words matter is that words are almost a reflection of who we are as organizations. And uh, people connect with language in all kinds of ways. And so if we're not really intentional about using words that are a true reflection of who we are as a church or an organization, we can give people the wrong impression about what they're walking into. Or um, I worry a lot about bait and switches with churches in particular, if they're using a certain type of language on their website, for example, and then somebody shows up on Sunday morning and it's a completely different experience. That says a lot about the church. It says a lot about um, the church, Big C Church as a whole. It says a lot about Jesus Christ. I mean, it just, it's a ripple effect. And so I think at the end of the day, we just have to choose our words really carefully so that they accurately, accurately reflect who we are as organizations. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you actually hit on one of the follow-up questions I wanted to ask you about um, when you said the words on our website don't accurately reflect who we are as a church. What are some of the words that we use on websites or in promotions or whatever it might be that cause confusion or um, don't accurately represent what like one of those things that could be different? Sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways that people or that churches can go wrong on their websites. Um, I shouldn't say wrong. You know, really, there's no wrong or right to any of this. There's lots of different versions of right. I do think there are some righter ways. So let me just establish that up front. I don't want I don't want anybody thinking I think I'm the you know high priestess of church words or anything like that. Um, but I do think there's a lot of places where churches could do better on their websites in particular. Um, one of those things is that churches tend to use insider language a lot. Uh, we use theological words. We use kind of colloquial church words like brother or even pastor. Like who do we call a pastor in our church? We use words like fellowship instead of hang out. Um, we do That's all the Christian F word for me. It is. <laughs> I hate that word. And the funny thing is I used to go to a church called fellowship and all my friends knew I hated the word fellowship. Oh so God. once we started going there, like they had a good laugh at that, but yeah, I yeah. absolutely hate the, the phrase or the word fellowship. And I hate the phrase food, fun and fellowship. Yeah. Me if too. you say food, fun and fellowship, I want to kick you in the teeth. <laughs> I don't know that I have quite that of this role. Reaction I do. It, 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 I don't I'm have strong good. opinions on many things, Yeah, but I have yeah. a strong opinion on the word fellowship. Well, I think what it does is when we use words like that, we don't sound like normal people. And the church already has this reputation for being this kind of set apart in a bad way, this set apart kind of country club or exclusive organization that you have to already understand and know everything before you can come and be a part of it. And so when we use words on our website that don't connect with just everyday life, people are like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to belong there, or I'm going to feel stupid there, or I'm not going to be able to connect connect with other people there because they're so different from me. And so I think we need to be really careful when we're writing copy for our websites to think outside the church bubble. Uh, so many of us, especially church communicators, we've been inside the church for so long and we just were so close to our message that we don't see how other people might experience it or interpret it. So instead of saying something like, hey, I, I have this friend who has this really great story about how God has been working in her life, we say, we have this testimony for you. 
well, what in the world does that mean? And, and it sounds very old school and a little, um, I don't know, just too churchy. Like, can we just be human with our language on our websites? At the same time, like there are some churches that that those words probably accurately reflect what you would see on a Sunday morning. It would. And that's okay. Then in those cases, Jonathan, what I would encourage churches to do is explain what they mean. Because just because that is how you speak on a Sunday morning, that doesn't make it wrong, okay? There are lots of different types of churches, lots of cultures and churches, lots of denominations and backgrounds and histories and all of those kinds of things. But we still have to remember that there's people who are going to experience our churches who've never who don't know those things. Hopefully we're going to get people coming to our churches who don't know anything about us or anything about church or God. So on our websites, take a, take a minute just to explain what you mean. If you have to use the word testimony, say testimony, comma, a story about how God's working in this person's life. I mean, that's really all you have to do. You don't have to go into some big Webster's definition or anything like that. Just think about the person who's consuming your words and be empathic toward them. Make sure that they can understand what you're trying to express. That's really good. You mentioned another thing a second ago, um, who gets called pastor and the words we use with that. And I think one of the ways that we can be confusing to people or um, for me, it would be off-putting, but I have my own personal baggage with this. um, So I acknowledge that. But when you call people brother Bill Mm -hmm. or sister Rachel or whatever it might be, whether it's on the website or, um, on a stage announcement or whatever it might be, those type of words for me, turn me off. Sure. Um, and we could go into the reasons why we could psychoanalyze that. Um, but no one wants to hear <laughs> my back. <laughs> no one wants to hear that today. Um, but I think especially people who have been in church for a long time, they don't think twice about using brother or sister or, even pastor or whatever it might be. Um, But those are words that can be off-putting that we just need to think about. That's right. And again, it all comes down to intentionality. And if you're a part of a church that that's kind of the culture, then let's say, for example, you're doing an announcement from the platform on a Sunday morning, say something like, you know, we believe that um, everyone who is part of the church is one big family. And so you might hear people call one another brother or sister. And we also believe that the that the people who lead our church are, have a particular authority, maybe not authority, that's kind of a yucky word, but have a particular, um, I don't know, they're ju- they just have some, somewhat, I'm sorry. A particular calling, maybe? Yeah, a particular calling. And so we set them aside with this word named pastor. And all that really means is a shepherd. They're helping us, guiding us toward Jesus and guiding us toward the life that he would have for us. Um, And it feels like a lot of words sometimes. And people are like, oh, we're going to bore the people who've been here for 12 years. To be honest with you, Jonathan, I don't care about boring the people who've been there for 12 years. My my bent is to worry about the people who are completely unfamiliar with church or people who've been hurt by the church or people who've been dragged there on that particular Sunday morning and they don't want to be there, but there they are. I, I take it as my, my personal challenge to make them feel welcome and warm and accepted. And so I don't worry too much about boring people with explanations they've heard 150 times because I want to reach that one person who hasn't. And hopefully as a large, if we scale back to 30, 50,000 feet, we're creating a culture that the person who's been there for 12 years is okay being a little bored. That's right. Because 
they have a heart for new people as well. That's right. And then they begin to adapt the language and the voice and the culture of our church that we have worked hard to establish. And they just naturally talk about it in the same way, not even just at church on Sunday mornings, but when they're at work and they want to invite somebody to come to our Easter services or whatever they want to do, they use the same kind of language. And so then there's this great synergy between our folks from church out in the world and our folks in church. And so when people experience us, it's it's just this one nice synergistic experience um, where the words are the same and the feeling is the same and the vibe is the same and they don't feel like they've been bait and switched, like I said before. You just mentioned a word that I wanted to get into at some point. So we'll go ahead and jump in there. You mentioned your church's voice that yeah. you said that, that we've spent time trying to craft. Can you explain what a church's voice is and what that means? I can try to. So to me, um, the church's voice or a writer's voice is pretty close to the personality of the, of the church or the culture of the church or the vibe of the church. So your voice is, um, it's almost when you think about brand. So a long time ago, I heard a pastor named Sean Wood, the definition of brand he gave was the emotional aftertaste left by an experience. And I think that's brilliant. And I think you can think about the voice of your church in much the same way. The, a lot of the voice, obviously your church's voice is going to be the words that you use, the intentional uh, language that you wrap around your services and your experiences. But what, em- what emotional aftertaste are those words leaving with people? Um, to me, that's the voice of the church. Is it is it casual and warm and authentic and transparent, or is it more formal and theological and um, kind of didactic? Again, there's no right or wrong to either of those two things. I think what it comes down to is having an authentic voice that you're using. Um, you you and I were talking one time about like a pretty staunch church, maybe a a conservative traditional service and the youth pastor bounces up to do announcements one Sunday and they're like, Hey fam, welcome to our church. It's going to be lit today. Like what? There's a total disconnect there, right? People feel uncomfortable and don't really understand what's happening. And so when it all boils down to it, there's no right or wrong voice. Um, The key is to be authentic, to make sure that your voice matches up with who you really are as a church. And not just to be authentic, but to own it because God calls every church to reach different people. That's right. And like I've always said that we're created and we're put in places for specific times, for specific reasons uh, to reach specific people. And if you're a church that is uh, more traditional or maybe a little older or whatever it might be, God's got you there for that reason. So own that. Don't try to be hip and new or whatever. I, I used to work with a church, uh, their former client of mine, that uh, they are upper middle class where they're located. They're in a more affluent part of town. Um, and their main demographic they were drawing was the 35 to 55 range. Um, to be completely honest, you probably couldn't afford to live in that area if you weren't that age. Mm. So when they decided, Hey, we need to go after millennials. Uh-oh. It didn't really make sense because millennials weren't in that area. That's not who God was already calling to that church. 
what I told them they should have done and what I wish they would have done, I think they've gone back to this, is double down on that 40 to 50-year-old range who has kids in middle school. Yeah. Uh, because that's authentically who God's already calling there. So speak to those people instead of trying to be something you're not. That's absolutely true. And I think you've hit on a really important point, Jonathan, to develop an authentic voice, uh, personality words for your church, you really have to understand who you are and who you're not. And that's one of the things, and I don't mean to plug StoryBrand here, but that's one of the things that's so brilliant about StoryBrand is as you're using this framework to try to clarify your message, you begin to um, wrestle with some very key components of who you are as a church and who you're trying to reach and you know what problems you're trying to solve in your community. And so when you get really clear about that, that's the first step to having an authentic voice in your community. Um, now, I will say there are some churches who are trying to shift a little bit. Like, let's say that uh, they have been a super traditional church and they use kind of theological highbrow language and their pastor still wears a robe and stole and all that stuff. But they're seeing a shift in the demographic in their neighborhood towards something younger and more casual and more uh, modern, perhaps. And so they want to try to shift toward that. There's really nothing wrong with having an aspirational voice as long as you take it slow and you don't push it and you do lots of training and coaching and make decisions. Um, for example, some churches choose to stop saying um, preaching and change to teaching because it, it connects with a different group of people. And so maybe focus on that for a little while in your church, that that's the language shift that you're going to make, making a shift from visitor to guest making a shift from sermon to message. I mean, all of those words mean different things and connect with people in different ways. So you can have it, you can maintain an authentic voice as long as you know who you are and who you're not and still move toward kind of an aspirational voice to reach a new group of people or a subset of people, as long as you're not forcing it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. The pastor I used to work for uh, when we were getting into some, some big changes that we were trying to bring about, we were going to do a, a capital campaign to expand our building. Um, he, he naturally takes things super slow. And I asked him why one day, and he said, you have to kind of treat the people in your church like a horse. Yeah. If you sneak up from behind on that horse, it's going to kick you in the mouth. Interesting. But if you let it know what you're coming, kind of tap it on the hip, let you, let it know you're there. It'll just stay there nice and calm and we'll let you walk up and start petting it or get on it or uh, whatever it might be. So in the same way, if we're trying to go to a new voice, if we're trying to do it aspirationally, if we change overnight, the people in our church are going to kick us in the mouth. They're That's not going to be ready for it. That's right. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's kind, right? And and it's really good, for, particularly for church communicators, um, to make sure people understand the why behind what you're doing. So people used to laugh at me all the time because I was so particular about words and um, they called me not very friendly things, to be honest with you <laughs> about these. But once I was able to help them understand the why of, of the reasons we were making these shifts, then there were kind of aha moments all over the place. And I began to see those shifts start to happen um, in other contexts within the church. So that's really fun when you do those kinds of things. It's just a nice, um, it's nice when people begin to trust you and begin to kind of mirror back what you're trying to do with your voice in the church. Absolutely. And it, it's one of those, it, this happens in all aspects of leadership in general, but especially when you're doing your voice, your branding, whatever it might be in communications, if you can create advocates for you, yeah. then they're going to fight the battle for you so that you don't even have to. That's but right. that takes slow and 
in a slow, intentional approach, having conversations, explaining yourself over and over and over. And in our world as communicators, it may feel like we're going nowhere. Yeah. But once you get someone on board, they're going to go fight that battle against someone else too. So now you've, they're making advocates for you. So you're exponentially multiplying your voice so that you can help move the church where you feel it should go or where your leadership has instructed you we needed to go. And I I think you bring up a good point with the leadership. So there's no point in, if we're still talking about aspirational voice, there's no point in trying to move in a different direction if your senior leadership is not on board with you and is not willing to go to bat for you. Like, don't try to change the voice of your church if your pastor is against it. It's not fair. It's not going to do any good. Now, you could talk, let's say the pastor knows that they need to do something different to reach a different group of people. You have you have a potential solution toward that. So you need to figure out ways to work together toward a common goal rather than fighting about the methods to reach that common goal. That's something that Phil Battle talks about all the time. For those of you in churchcom world, you're probably familiar with Phil, but trying to find, okay, this is what I want and this is what you want. Let's find a way to reach that goal together, even if we approach it from different directions. That just gave me PTSD. Because <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. It's, I, I, when I was first hired from student ministry intern to creative director for the entire church, um, I had a meeting with our senior pastor, and it's where he, to, he told me we wanted to get younger. Uh, we wanted to get a little edgier. We felt like we lost an edge. So I took that as my running orders. And that, I mean, you know me well enough. That's kind of my natural bent anyways. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I started running that direction and he said we wanted to do those things. And I think he liked the idea of it, but the church in general and then in practice, he wasn't a huge fan of a lot of the staff wasn't a huge fan of. Um, so I would get pushback from a lot of stuff and I'm sitting there, I'm confused because I'm like, this is what you told me to do, but yet you're telling me not to do it now. So part of that was I was 25 years old. So, um, I was young and didn't have the experience or anything that I should have had. But part of it is, I think I was trying to do something differently than what he was wanting to do. I was trying to take it a step further than what he may be meant. And I was probably going a little too fast. So all the things we've talked about here, like it just came up and bit me in the butt. And uh, it's a large part of the reason why I don't work there anymore. Um, we came to the conclusion after a couple of years that where I was going and where the church was going were two completely different directions. So um, I was affectionately coached off staff, which um, <laughs> if you've ever been coached off staff, you you know what that means. Um, right, right. Well, and that's painful, but it's okay because that means that you then need to, you get to bring your gifts to another context and that church needs to, gets to stay who they authentically are. Um, right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So even in the midst of painful uh, circumstances, things tend to work out, right? So to whoever's listening to this right now, you might be in the same spot I was to where you feel like you're hitting your head against a brick wall and fighting up against everything and no one's doing what you think is best. And my one statement to that would be to ask you a question and it would be, is what you're trying to do 
does that match up with what God's calling the church to do? Because if we as church communicators, church creatives, whatever, are in a spot where we're trying to do what we want to do or we think is best, but it's not where God has the church, then that's a really tough spot to be in. And and it's hard to know how far to push because I know that there are some church communicators out there listening who feel like they're in a difficult situation on purpose you know, um, for such a time as this, that they're, they're in a situation where the church is doing one thing and they feel very strongly that God has put them in that place to help edge the church in a little different direction or to help them, uh, communicate in a little different way. And it's really hard to hold that tension of, gosh, am I pushing too far or am I, am I fighting the battle that I'm supposed to be fighting? And that's really tough. And I think that's when you just get to surround yourself with like-minded people um, and people who will kind of challenge you and ask you the hard questions to make sure you're not in it for your ego um, or any other reason. That's really hard to do. And I would even, as hard as this is, try to take a few minutes with your direct report, who you report to, and ask them those questions. Say, hey, this is where I feel like we are supposed to be going. Is this where the church wants to go? Is this where the church feels called to go? Um, because it might be a yes, but it's going to take slow. So we need you to push us a little bit. And at that point, it gives you a little bit of freedom knowing, okay, I'm going to get pushed back, but I'm doing the right thing. Or they might say, Hey, this actually isn't where we want to go or where God's calling us to go. This is the direction we want to go. Can you help us do that? And then at that point you have your marching orders and you have to decide at that point, am I okay falling in line with that? Or and doing what they're asking of me, or is this maybe God pushing me to something that might be different or whatever it might be? And one of the things I've learned being in our field for a while is that we are often on the front edge of where churches are going, yeah, um, especially our church because we surround ourselves with the Facebook groups, with um, the podcast, with whatever it might be. And our pastors and our leaders aren't necessarily listening to the same thing. They're listening to leadership podcasts. They're they're reading books about preaching. They're not necessarily paying attention to communicating or finding your voice or whatever it might be. So they're going to go a lot slower than we want them to. Right. Well, and for those of you out there going, hey, I thought this particular episode was about words and voice. Let me just pull us back here. All we're talking about is who you are as a church and who you're not, who you're being called to be as a church and who you're not and how you're communicating that. And all of that comes around to voice. So if you're having these struggles in your church of who are we and who are we supposed to be, you can't possibly find your authentic voice. So all of it is connected. It's a bigger ball of wax than any of us really think about when we sit down to write a bulletin announcement, right? But it's all super important to think about at the same time. We could probably spend another 30 minutes just on that topic, but I want to, <laughs> I want to move us forward a little bit. And um, what place does humor have in the finding your voice conversation? Oh gosh, that's such a good question, Jonathan. Um, so oh, years ago I went to a church planning conference and I heard a guy, a guy named Vince Antonucci speak. He's a pastor or was at that time. I don't know if he still is a pastor of a church in Vegas And he talked about how everything they do at the church is designed to help uncross the arms of people who come. And here's what I mean. Like 
in your mind, picture somebody who's really cranky about coming to church. They're literally sitting in the front row with their arms crossed and a scowl on their face. And that Vince Antonucci's church is all about uncrossing that person's arms. And the way you do that often is through humor. Nobody expects church to be funny. Nobody expects church to be sarcastic. Nobody expects church to kind of hit on our everyday issues in life and kind of turn them on their heads and help us laugh at ourselves and laugh at our circumstances. Nobody expects that. And so churches who are able to use humor in their voice really well tend to communicate in really brilliant ways that just naturally draw people in. I mean, you think about the Starbucks philosophy of surprising and delighting. For crying out loud, how many churches have super serious Facebook pages with scripture all the time or announcements about some event that's coming up, but they don't use humor? Uh, I'm sorry, social media right now could use a lot more humor, right? And so if the the church were were the place to provide that humor, and just help people breathe a little bit and uncross their arms and relax and smile and have themselves a little giggle before they head off into the real world, that would be amazing. Now, again, it has to match up with who you are as a church. You know, you can't get, um, you can't have somebody get up on front of the stage and make announcements and do all kinds of joke cracking if you're going into um, like liturgy in the next moment. You have to really time those things well. But I think humor is just such a natural humor, a human approach to things that people can't help but connect with it. And the the one thing I want to stress is humor is good. Cheese is not. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know, you said uh, fellowship is your F word in the church. Oh, my goodness. Um, the, the, uh, the little boards out in front of church, the signs where people put the crazy yep. ones. I can't. I can't with the bad church signs. I just can't. Because what it does is it says, well, this church is about dad jokes. Now, maybe for a subset of population, that's great. They look forward to those kinds of things. But I think we could use that real estate for more uh, critical messages of hope and love and humor or whatever, but not cheese. I'm with you right there on that, Jonathan. Yeah, it's really hard. Uh, And I'm sorry if I just offended half of your listeners. I just can't. I can't with the bad church signs. (laughs) But uh, a couple of years ago, some friends of mine, um, they planted a church. They were probably two and a half years old at the time. They were going into the summer, probably pulling in 150 to 200 on a weekend. They did a, they were doing um, a series that summer through the Psalms called Summer Jams. And they did a video that was, uh, did you ever see the Australian girls that did the, um, the, they were lip syncing in the car? Yes. To different songs. Yes. They did a version of that the, yes. with the lead pastor, the teaching pastor, and the worship leader. And it was three minutes long or something like that. And it got something like 15,000 views yeah. on Facebook. Yes. But it was an easy thing to film. It was an easy win for them. But it fit their voice and added some humor and some levity in everything. And people shared it. They liked it. And for a couple of weeks, they were known as the church that did the video in their town. Sure. And the message that sends is we don't take ourselves too seriously. And I think that's a really cool message to send to our communities because so many church leaders, uh, at least people perceive that they put themselves on pedestals and they think they're all that and they think they're perfect. And then we get called hypocrites and all those things. And so when you produce media like that, even though it's a little silly, it still says we don't take ourselves so seriously. Like you'll be okay here. You'll fit in here. And I love that. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's really good. So to sum up everything we've talked about today, your church's voice is super important. 
It's also really hard to figure out. <laughs> yeah. And it takes time. It does. So there's a lot, there's going to be a tension that you're going to live with after you listen to this, that you want to go do everything and fix everything and uh, make it all different right now. But just know it's going to take some time to figure out um, a lot of times. And I don't plug our work on here very often, but a lot of times with stuff like this, you need to have an outside perspective, someone to come in uh, like Kelly, like myself, like Kyler, uh, to come in and help you out with that. So if that's something that you're interested in, uh, you can go to solvingproblemspodcast.com and click on one of the buttons and it'll let you contact us. Um, and we would love to, t- to talk with you about how to figure that out. One of the things that we do a lot of times is what's called a strategy session. And it's where we'll come in and we'll sit down and we'll just really ask you some questions and help you figure out the answer to some of these things in your context, let you uh, throw a bunch of stuff up against the wall, see what sticks, see what doesn't stick. And then when you leave that, you really have a voice and a story that your church is telling that everyone on your staff and inside your church can rally around. And that is a really powerful thing to have. Awesome. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for being here. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was an honor. You guys take care. That's it for episode 10 of the Solving Problems podcast. If you want to know more about Kelly, you can check out her website at talltreecollective.com or you can pick up a copy of her book, You've Got This, a pep talk for church communicators on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Next week for episode 11, we're going to be talking with Drew Powell from Cross Point Church. He's the creative arts pastor there. And we're going to be looking at how we can sprinkle in failure to let people know the stakes about what is really on the line with what we're doing but also not go all hellfire brimstone, failure, failure, failure on them. So it's a really great episode. I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. So check us out next week. Uh, You can find me online at at Jonathan underscore Corona on Instagram or Twitter. You can find Kyler at Kyler underscore Nixon in the same places, or you can get in touch with us at solvingproblemspodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and we hope you all have a great week. We'll see you next time. 